ingrained as humans, right? I think that the Pistons are bad, so that can't be a foul because the Pistons are supposed to lose. I think I don't think it's anything nefarious. At least I would hope not. I think it's just human nature. The Pistons are a bad team versus if it was the other way around and Quentin Grimes, who is now, he went from being yes. on the Knicks to now on the Pistons. <laughs> yes. He says, if that was Jalen Brunson, that foul gets called. And yeah. he's a thousand percent correct. Right. Just because. Especially in New York, too. Especially in New York. So I don't think it's that the refs care or not. I think it's just human nature based on yeah. situation and how things move for you. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, uh, I think a part of it too might just be that, you know, you, you just, yeah, exa- human nature. I think you, you nailed it. I think it's just the human nature of it. You know, these guys, you know, oh, you know, the, the what they look for, you know, that there's just a, a different fluidity of motion. I don't have a, there's no excuse for the call missed yesterday, but um, just in general. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the human element. And I do think that um, I don't think that there's any sort of conversations between the league and officials in terms of, you know, like we're afraid that, you know, Miami, or I'm sorry, if the Kings end up in a play-in situation, the refs are probably going to favor a team like the Lakers or the Warriors more. I think the the reason why we think that is because also in the middle of a game, if you miss a foul on LeBron, LeBron's going to walk over and talk to you. And we've right. seen, you know, there's a classic clip of Michael Jordan where a referee's like, whatever, did you foul him, Michael? Yeah. Or whatever you say, Michael. Like, I'll, I'll, right. I, I believe right. you, Michael. I believe you. Yeah. Like, think, and it's. I don't think it's to that level anymore, but I think there is a, I guess I'd call it a fear of LeBron just talk to me. I don't want to get on the wrong side of LeBron blackballing me potentially uh, in calling me out singularly because it really doesn't matter if I was right or wrong. If LeBron calls me out, people are going to take the side of LeBron James. So I, I think that that plays uh, a factor into it as well. And, you know, there's just not really much that you can do about a situation like that because, again, that's that's just human nature. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, let's just say in, I don't know, the next five to ten years, is there anything they can do? I don't think so. I think... It's different for umpires, the way basketball moves. Like I said, you could maybe put some some chip in everyone's socks or <laughs> yeah, something, right. and it would say, yeah, that was illegal too contact. Too much impact. Yeah. Too much impact or too many steps with the ball. But we're, we're talking about Space Jam yeah. 4 or 5. <laughs> we're not talking about anything in the near future. It sounds like so, a VR game almost. It, well, then that, that's what they're trying to get to with this yeah. NBA AI. Don't get me started right. on that. It's NBAI. Ah, uh, yes, NBAI. Oh, it's I do not care. That's what it is trying to turn it into a comic book. But want to watch Into the Spider-Verse, I'll just watch Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, yes. I don't need ba- my basketball. But maybe it's not for me. This mm-hmm. is what we're trying to confirm. Who is this for? I think it's for kids. You're talking about the NBA, NBA yes. mm-hmm. uh, I would assume it's for the kids. But even then, I don't know what kids are going to say. Like, this is my preferred way of consuming this This It this almost program. seems like you got it on for a kid who's too young, two, three years old, in the corner. Right. And then you're watching the regular game, hoping that it gets you through the game. Sure, yeah. That's right. what it seems like to me. Yeah. 
and like it's a way of like introducing a young audience to the game. Like it's almost like a like a uh, like a kid like an alphabet book or something. Yes. like an NBA alphabet book. Right. You know, like, I I was personally thinking to myself, you know what I'd really love with my NBA viewing experience is a Batman themed Fred Van Fleet highlight yeah. mixtape. Yeah. Wham. Wham. Bam. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Thank you. Splash. Let's get to Mike Brown. <laughs> That's a swoosh. I don't know. So it sounds the net. Let's get to Mike Brown when he was asked about heat culture and how the Kings can possibly replicate it or create a culture of their own. Let's hear what uh, he had to say. No, you, you can't. You can't replicate it. You, I mean, because you, you got to have your own culture, in my opinion. It's hard to uh, do the same thing that somebody else is doing. Uh, but the, the, the reality of it is from top to bottom, um, they believe in toughness, and they believe in playing hard and playing the right way. Um, th- they're they're not looking at offensive numbers; they're looking at defensive numbers, how you compete, and how tough you are. And then they're trying to develop those type of players and put them on the floor. And and you know, um, you know, it started with Pat. Pat's still there. And you got Spolster there too, and that's a really good combination, especially when you have guys like Dwayne Wade that are mainstays that come through there, Udonis Haslam. Because once you get it from within and you have the buy-in from within uh, from your main guys, um, the sky's the limit because everybody else that comes along and joins that team they're going to have to follow their lead. If they don't, boom, they're out. They don't care what they shoot from the three. They don't care how many points they score. It's all about playing the right way, playing with toughness, supporting your teammates. And um, that's what that, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, that's what that that's built on. Hmm. Toughness. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I think – it, it's something that I think every team is trying to replicate. Uh, definitely everybody would like their own different version of Heat culture. The Heat are definitely the the ones who are most successful at it. I think in a way the Knicks are starting to build a, a Knicks culture where besides just going to Villanova, there you kind of know what a, a, a Tibbs guy, a Knicks player looks like. Kind of similar descriptor as, as a Heat culture guy. It's someone who's tough someone who's defensively minded, someone who does the little things. They don't really, you know, value offense in the same way that, you know, frankly, a, a, an organization like the Kings would. And, um, you know, it makes makes you think, like, you know, what what is Kings culture? Or what – there may be a two-part question. What is Kings culture right now versus in an idealized world, if you could, you know, create Kings culture, what would that look like? What does it traditionally look like? I think is uh, is definitely interesting, and you know, I I also wonder, not to if if this was going to be your answer. Sorry to steal your thunder, but like, do we even know? Like, do we actually know who what a Kings player looks like, or is it, um, or is it something that is is really kind of something you have to hammer down after years and years of success? Yeah, I'm struggling with the word culture. And maybe this is just more specific to the heat than anyone else, because is it culture or coaching? You just brought up the Knicks. That's just Thibodeau. Yeah. That's just Thibodeau being there, implementing what he wants to do. The Lakers, storied franchise. What is their culture? 
The Celtics, storied franchise, what is their culture? They're, it's not like there are a bunch of organizations running around with their culture. Sure. We just talk about heat culture, and it's a very one-off, one-off situation to me. You got Pat Riley, who was there, who implemented it. He got the perfect guy who came up through the ranks in Eric Spolstra. You had LeBron James. Yep. Let's not forget about that. Sure. Are we still talking about heat culture the same way if Eric Spolstra doesn't have those rings from a super team? I mean, I would say heat culture was cultivated after that, like in the aftermath of LeBron, in the fallout. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But you're not putting Dwayne Wade as a part of heat culture? Dwayne Um, Wade's the focal point of heat culture. Yeah, I would say, like, I mean, I would almost say that those LeBron years were like a, not a gap in heat culture, but like that was, you know, that's kind of a whole separate thing. That's fair. Like, Wade definitely, I mean, because let's not forget, Dwayne Wade won a championship before LeBron even got there. So you could say, yeah, Pat Riley instilled it in Dwayne Wade initially, and then after LeBron left, it kind of continued through that. Like, it was just a continuation of what they had already started to build before. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think I truly do think the Knicks are building a real culture where you know what a Knicks player look like. You, You mentioned the Celtics. I think the Celtics value winning players, people who don't care about stats, but people who actually care about winning. That's why Derek White is a perfect Celtic. It's why, you know, Drew Holiday is a perfect Celtic. I think the Lakers, I would say their identity is probably star power and understanding that it's showtime. Like it's it's not just about uh, you know, of winning, of course, is the most important thing, but you're a star first and foremost as a Laker. And I think that's really important. And, you know, to bring it back to the Kings, I think at the very least, the one thing I've seen from successful Kings teams is selflessness. Like those early 2000s Kings teams, most everyone's the, the greatest show on court, right, is what they used to call them. The passing, the way that the ball used to fling around. Of course, Jason Williams kind of started it, but um, the continuation with Vladi and C-Web, uh, and then you see it with Sabonis now. Like, I think that's at least one characteristic that I would say is a king is is ability to be selfless uh, in a team structure, I think, is is paramount. And I think in today's day and age, I think Vivek has definitely put a uh, a big, big emphasis on shooting. So those would be the two things that I would say at the very least – is is what makes a king is is someone who's selfless and somebody who uh, definitely likes to play fast and shoot the ball. I hear you on the Lakers thing. I, I think that's legit. the The Celtics situation. I guess you're right. I also think that there are some facades out there as far as the Golden State Warriors. Now, Steve Kerr. I did not mention them. Well, people <laughs> don't. People, Steve Kerr is not out here as the kids say, capping. Steve Kerr will tell you. Our culture is Steph Curry. Yes. He'll tell you to yeah. your face. Yeah. Steve Kerr has never once said, yeah. I did this right. Yeah. Steve Kerr says, I'm basically here right. because of Steph. This is not a foundation this or anything like that. This is not a foundation. Like when yeah. Steph is gone. This <laughs> is a monument. And, but people <laughs> will now say that the Warriors have a culture. I don't think so. I yeah. I think when Steph is gone, yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say they're going to go in the dumpster. Right. But what, 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 is, what is the culture? Yeah. Pass it, Steph. Yes. What's the culture? Yeah, get it to Steph. Get out the way. Get it to Steph. So get out the way. that's why people are so pro heat culture because now it, they've done it over really like three or four. Different I would agree with that. Of the team. I would agree with that. Yeah. But but to me, it's also confusing because you're Miami. You've built something, but you never have enough. 
but Spolster is always going to get you there, and you have Jimmy, and they still have not won since LeBron. Sure. So they've they've outkicked their coverage for sure. Yeah. But also, weirdly, that's part of their identity. Yeah. Their identity isn't actually right now. Their identity isn't winning the whole thing. Sure. It's you're going to forget about us, and then we're going to go further than you think, yeah. and then lose. I think that. Yeah, part of that identity is just a mat, and it's why they were so heavy on Dame. It's okay. This is how we are without a superstar. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it would look like with a superstar. They just never got that superstar because, if anything, it's a it's a it's an example of how hard it is. Even a city like Miami, who plays basketball the right way, has Eric Spoelstra, who's probably one of the best coaches of this era, and Pat Riley in there. Even they can't get a star just to walk into their building, and they've done everything about as perfectly as you can you can draw it up. So, if anything, I would say that that's more of a uh, – uh, they are a product of their circumstances and are trying to – they don't want to be heat culture, but they have been forced to do it, and they've been, uh, they've been about as successful as you can without having what everybody else has. Heat culture. Cash. Heat will cash. Heat culture. We want Damian Lillard. Mom, I want some McDonald's. You got McDonald's at home. Mc- McDonald's at Terry home Rozier. is Terry Rozier. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it is. No, you're you're not wrong. It's doing it's it's making Terry Rozier into Damian Lillard light. Doing a Damian yeah. Lillard impression. Right. And it's Jimmy Butler doing a LeBron James yes. impression for three weeks. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I, I still think there's incredible value in that. Like if you're able to if if essentially what your organization is great at is pulling the best, getting the best performances out of people, I, I think that's what every organization would love to do is it doesn't matter if you have a, a roster that should probably earn you an eight seed. You can still make the NBA finals just by buying into what we have going on here. And I think uh, I think it's something that's unique. Definitely. I'm not saying the Knicks are building anything near that, mm-hmm. but I just think the bigger point is, it's really important as an organization to know what it is you're looking for and what exactly is the type of person that fits the mold that you're trying to build. And that is how we will spin this back to the Kings if you are looking for because even the Niners, you know, I want, I like my yeah. guy to be physical, right? Yep. You you got to not just take contact. Yeah. You, you got to run enjoy block, all that. Con- stuff. You got to you you, see the Debo contact. Exactly. All that. What what is it that the Kings are looking for? Do they not even? No, yet. We discuss when we return. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Sacramento has a new tag team in the midday. It's Styles and Watkins on Sacktown Sports. From the Sack Chat, Joe Jarose, the Kings are underdog culture. They may win the occasional big game, but nobody is going to count on the Kings. I just think there's too many other underdogs out there. I don't like that as your culture. <laughs> if your culture is based on you always being the team that's worse, and uh, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, Joe. I'm just, I'm just, I just don't like that as. as there's a case the that over that like 50, for. 60 years of NBA history, the Kings have like some of the losingest teams of all time, and so. Is the underdog culture just historically we think you're going to be awful, so it's strange when you're not? That's terrible. I don't like that. That's I don't terrible. either, but, like, 
The Kings have like I think three different stretches in their franchise history yeah. where they went 15 years without winning a playoff series. But again, to me, a lot of it is based on coaching as much as anything else. So if we were in Mike Brown's and how he was more so he, he brought up he, it was a tough question to answer. But if we were trying to build the culture, right? What would you say? It would be playmaking bigs. Yeah. Playmaking bigs and some shooting. Yeah, some shooting for sure. Playing fast in general. I think just like a very I like playing fast. Yeah, I think like just a I mean, obviously, but a, a an entertaining style of basketball. Like the Kings, you know, when they've been at their best, they they don't play Nick style. They don't play Miami Heat style. They like to get up and down. They like to play flashy. They like to hit the three. They like to play fast. They like to be an explosive offense, and um, you know I think <clears throat> I think that there's uh, elements of that. Definitely, you know we've seen this team play fast. They have the fastest point guard in the NBA. They have tons of shooting. They have Sabonis as the playmaking big. They have a lot of the recipe that I think is is what they want. But uh, I also think that you know they're they're kind of at the point where they just need more talent at this point. So you have a guy like Mike D'Antoni who was walking quote-unquote culture you yeah. know what yeah. mike d'antoni yep. teams are gonna Seven do similar to tibbs yep. but now i'm getting confused with culture versus style of play sure i know style of play is part of the culture yeah but everything we just said is just a style of play sure so that's where i, I mean get... i think coaches fit into your culture too like yeah. you have to look for a coach that's going to play the style of play that you want like, I think Dave yeah. Yeager, though he did get results, I mean, he, he got fired after winning 39 games. Mm-hmm. I think it was because the style in which he was playing was not that in which the Kings wanted to win like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's I think that's that's kind of the reality of the situation is, you know, yeah, coaches have styles too, and coach, coaches can bring culture, can – uh, can you know really accent uh, can can you know show what um, can can further highlight what your culture is? But I think coaches go into the organizational culture as well. Culture to me is something like I want to get away from describing a style because if we say long athletic right, right that, three and D that's just what everybody <laughs> yeah. wants right with a star yeah. point guard a and a stretch big, big. Yeah. yeah no can protect the rim the thing about heat culture is that no matter we watched no excuses, it last night really yeah no excuses next man up no matter who is in that lineup they can fit what they're trying to do whether yeah. it's the one a person one b two a to be so now bringing that back to the Kings now when you answer that question I think to your point playing fast fits in that mold yeah because it doesn't matter who you are no you're gonna play it fast matter. Dave Yeager Luke Walton Mike Brown yeah. they said they want to play fast we want to play fast and hopefully we can defend yep and well and honestly that's that's been the part that has let the Kings down frankly is the fact that yeah their their culture or the thing they want more than anything is to be this flashy, fun offense. Mm-hmm. But by creating that, you see sometimes you forget about the defensive end, and then you're just trying to patchwork it, and then it becomes a, okay, well, how do we add to this roster while not losing what we want from it? Like, mm-hmm. how do we how do we throw in a Dorian Finney-Smith or whatever, a Royce O'Neal, and add to the defense, which we desperately need to be a legitimate winner, 
But at the same time, does having those guys in there stagnate our offense to a point where we are no longer the team that we want to be? I think that's the the balancing act that every team deals with. And I think it's the thing that the Kings are going to, I don't know if they're going to struggle with it, but I think that's why you don't see Monty making all, you know, going out at the deadline and, and just making those moves because, you know, I, I think he's a bit afraid of, of shaking up what they feel like right now is a solid group of guys. You have play fast, Ben don't break on defense. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I, ideally, I'm just saying this. Ideally, ideally. Yes, yes. So ideally. The, the last, if you guys had to guess, when do you think the last time the Sacramento Kings had a top half defense in the NBA was? Uh, what season? Early 2000s. I would say probably 2005. 2006 ah, is the last, last time, time they, they were top the 15. Well the last, done. The last time they were top 10 in defense was the 03 season. Yeah. Yeah. This this is who they are. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't been okay. But, it's way but, more okay, fun so, to watch. But yeah. that that here's but here's the thing: we're still trying to figure out. Taking Chris's Chris's term here, the truth serum for Mike Brown. Yeah. What is it that you want, right? Who? How? What would you do to this roster? Because it feels like there is a disconnect between Mike Brown being the defensive coordinator for the Warriors. Yeah. Coming here, trying to implement it. We're in year two now yeah. of that defensive system, yeah. but they're still an offensive team. So yeah. is that because, well, you, you're asking me to make filet mignon, but you bought me a ribeye? Yeah. What do you want? What you want me? And I would take either. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> what What do you want me to do? So yeah. I think that is why this off season will be very, very interesting because. Yeah. This will be at least Mike. Does Mike Brown have a wish list mm-hmm. that he sends to Monty McNair and say, these are the dudes that I think can fit what we're trying to do? Right. No, I, I think that that's a great point because it does feel like there's been a push and pull of Mike since day one has said defense, 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 defense. Mm-hmm. We need to play defense. And I think Monty has slowly, you know, thrown some pieces. I think like Duarte is a piece where it's like, not a one for me, one for mm-hmm. you, but like, hey, Duarte does offensively what we want him to do but he also could bring something defensively um i i just yeah i i think they're going to try and bring those kind of guys in i think if you to your to your question of if you were to ask mike brown he wants more defense like i don't think he really cares about the offense i think he would probably say we have way too many offensive players and you know it, it hasn't really helped them it's not like every single night you know if kevin herter's not playing well we can just throw chris duarte in there and you know whatever we're going to end up at 40% from 3 it hasn't worked out like that so i think he would say let's just let's say you know if we might not be great on offense every single night but i thought this thing's about trying to figure out way different ways to win and right now it feels like we only have one way to win I want to get us guys who give us multiple different ways of winning. Yeah, they might be able to hit a three on a given night, but they're going to defend every single night, and they're going to take guys out. So Jaime Jaquez can't go 12 of 17 in a game, and that's how we're going to win that game, not by his threes, but by the fact that he shut down one of their only options that night. So if, if I had to guess, Mike Brown just wants more dogs. He wants more guys who he knows. I'm going to tell you, Make sure this rookie doesn't go off on us tonight, and he's not going to go off. I think that's what he really wants. And I'll and I'll say this: I'm not saying that I have a source or I can confirm this or anything like that. But you got to wonder if what you're saying is true. How much did Mike Brown want Sasha Vizankov? 
How much did he want? How much did he feel like right. that's what this team needs? Yeah. Another shooter right. who's probably going to be a liability defensively. Right. Now he's been better than we thought. Yeah. But when the, when yeah, when when the streamer when the not that the streamers came down because it was in Sacramento <laughs> when the buzzer went off in Game Seven yeah. and Mike Brown walked to the locker room did he think man Let's get we need more shooting yeah. and a lack of defensive right. capability that's what we need when we get back that's we will continue question. the conversation but it is time to move forward can the Kings turn this thing around well they're not going to have a choice Siles and Watkins Sacktown Sports. and local. It's Styles and Watkins. Watch the show on youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Or listen on the Sacktown Sports app. Ask the question before the break. Do you think Coach Mike Brown wanted Sasha Vazankov? I don't know how much of a say he had in it, which seems crazy. But it doesn't make much sense. And then when you then when you look at how little he played or has played before the injury, there's that part of it. And not going to go too far into it on these airwaves, but there were rumblings of maybe some, how should I put this? Misunderstandings as far as the the playing time and situations. And obviously there's a, Bit of a language barrier there. So who knows? Who knows? We'll never know. But it does not feel like that would be the first thing on Coach Mike Brown's wish list. No, it's definitely interesting for sure because, I mean, looking back on it, there really wasn't much um, thought given to it, really. It was just a, we need to get this done. And I think everybody, all Kings fans included at the time, felt right there that this was the priority this offseason was to lock down Sasha. But um, looking back on it, I mean, it, it really didn't make much sense for what this team really actually needed. And, um, you know, on top of the fact, I think a lot of people might have been expecting, hey, Sasha isn't going to be the biggest addition brought in this offseason like you could argue he he, he ended up being. Um, but, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, the fact that the Kings used their mid-level exception – to give Sasha as much money as they ended up giving Trey Lyles doesn't really seem to make sense in hindsight. Like they definitely, you know, if, if you're saying Sasha's making as much as end of the bench guy, you know, JaVale McGee, Kessler Edwards, whatever makes a little bit more sense, makes it a little bit more palatable because then you can use that mid-level exception to go sign somebody else. Um, and maybe that person's having an impact, but it does feel like, using it on Sasha might have ended up affecting this team this season because, again, you could have used that on somebody else to actually bring in somebody that, you know, we're just assuming here, but assuming uh, Mike Brown wanted to bring in a more defensive-minded or, or um, yeah, we'll just say a defensive-minded player. Right. I'm imagining a better JTA. Sure. Right, a younger, yes, exactly. more explosive because JTA type. Deal. There are there. I've I heard whispers when JTA was signed here that this is what Mike wanted in in the. Uh, if you would have asked him during um, the the uh, training camp, he would have wanted JTA in there. But they ended up going with. Uh, I think it was an organizational decision, but they went with a ton of G leaguers like like uh, uh, Scal Lebissier was at training camp. Uh, 
They had Deontay Burton at training camp. Uh, they had a couple other guys who were in the G League in training camp, and I think Mike Brown secretly really wanted JTA in there. So I think you're you're dead on to say probably a better JTA would have been brought in. Don't forget, 30 minutes, the Jackson Sister Sledge. We're giving away tickets, 916-339-1140. All guests and callers, join us from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Let's get out to Doug. Wants to be part of the conversation. What's up, Doug? What you got for us? Good after gentlemen. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I, uh, you know, it, it's very uh, disheartening to go in and watch us uh, go in and play the way that we did in a complete game and defensively against the Clippers, and then going, you know, this this one's set up for us. Every time this happens, that there's a game that's set up for us, and I don't care. The schedule is the schedule. We didn't tell you to get into a, a, a skirmish with the, the other team and stuff. And if you don't play those guys. We should be rising to the occasion and going, we got to get this one. We're on that run. This is a team that we should be able to beat. And then you don't have the intensity on the defensive end. Uh, You know, uh, all of a sudden you see uh, um, Keegan go in and he's got a stroke for a game. And then, you know, um, Herder did some stuff. And, you know, those are all good things. But uh, we've talked about this before, but if you keep, um, you know, getting the same kind of guys that are, one-way players where their offense only in no defense. You know, I, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm going to tell you, I can make some wonderful decisions, and you could pay me uh, pennies on the dollar to take Monty's job. And uh, But I'm, I'm sorry because he's not in there, and he's not here to defend himself. But it's like, come on, man, there's got to be something out there. I mean, give a first-round pick and go get the uh, Bible. I mean, I don't care. you got to go, you know, gamble, and, and, you know, you already know what he can do. So you already know it's like, hey, he doesn't need the ball very much. Hey, if we get, you know, if we don't score as much, but we get more defense and it closes the gap on your, your plus minus and stuff, then that, that's a wonderful thing. So I, I don't know what we're going to do. It, it's just hard to keep on going, okay, man, now we're going to get this one and we're going to be that much closer. And then then we lay an egg last night. So, uh, you know, I don't have much more than that, but, uh, um, you know, we, we, we keep saying we got to do something and we're not getting much out of it. So uh, that's all I have for, for today. Have a great call the rest of the day, and uh, thank you. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for the call, Doug. Yeah. So the thigh ball thing is is interesting because I just saw randomly, and you know how this happens on social media, people replaying and saying, who is the worst, who is the worst player offensively that you've seen? And it oh, popped up Andre Roberson. retweets and stuff. Right, yeah. and Andre Roberson popped up. And somebody said he was the last zero and D player <laughs> in the history of the NBA. And it's just a montage of airballing yeah. three pointers, missing free throws. And somebody joked and said, well, that's basically Matisse Tybal now. I don't think he's that bad Matisse offensively. Nice three, actually. But that is the worry that something could really just stop up the offense. But I think if you use them correctly, yeah. right? That wouldn't happen. Yeah, one guy shouldn't kill it. Unfortunately, Doug, it's it's too late now, right? <laughs> Obviously, you can't. the The trade deadline is passed. We'll see what happens in the summer, but it's a big it, it's it's a big missing piece, especially yeah. last night where we love you, Keegan. And, and look, De'Aaron said, if you're not ready for Hawkes and if you're not six eight, it's going to be a tough night. Well, Keegan was the closest that the Kings had. Yep. And it just wasn't good enough. It just yeah. wasn't good enough. And that that was that's pretty much it. They did not have the facilities for that. Mm-hmm. They did not have the capabilities no 
for yep. that. The personnel. And that's why I think that last night was especially upsetting. It was half effort, half personnel. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like actual just their abilities. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The like effort, Sabonis was just getting cooked. In theory, in theory, when they turned it on at the beginning of the fourth, that team on paper should have been able to win when yeah. they go on that run. The problem is once you got into one-on-one time, you did not have the personnel to stop a Jaime Jaquez yeah. or a Bam, and that was the issue. You yeah. you fixed the effort. Now, you never should have been in that situation. You tried to fix it, yeah. but due to the lack of personnel, that's why you couldn't get it past the finish line. It was yeah. also a makeup for earlier because they went on a 17-3 run at one point mm-hmm. in the fourth. But right before that, it was a 20 to 7 Miami run, basically. So if you even right. that out, you know, those two runs cancel each other out. And lo and behold, it was a two point game with two minutes to go. Yeah. I'm looking here just based on the different runs that went in and out. In the, the second quarter, the Heat went on a 20 to 7 run. In the third quarter, the Heat went on a 26 to 10 run. And in the fourth quarter, this was from the 10:30 mark to the 3:40 mark. Kings went on a 25 to 7 run, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, interesting there Doug kind of sparked something for me when he talked about the first round pick. Interestingly enough, too, you could argue and I guess this would be a slight towards Monty, but the Kings are kind of like the fact that they don't have a draft pick right now that's contributing this year as well. Like, you see what Brandon Pajemski has done for the Warriors. You see what Jaime Hawkins has and done Trace for the Jackson. You see what Trace Jackson Davis has done. You see what Gigi Jackson has done for the Grizzlies. You get, got, like, just because they're late first-round picks or even, you know, Colby Jones early second doesn't mean that they can't contribute in their first year. Again, T- Trace Jackson Davis, Brandon Pajemski, two shining examples of it. The Kings didn't get anybody because they shipped off their late first-round pick who was – uh, uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper, who really hasn't done anything for Dallas this year, so I guess you could argue that it wouldn't have led to anything anyway. But um, the fact that they don't have just an extra guy, some some sort of youth in their lineup too, I think is is doing them a bit of dis, of a disservice because you know when when we say this is literally the team from last year, it could have been a little bit different. You see how Jaime Hawkins or Brandon Pajemski has kind of changed what those two teams can look like on mm-hmm. a given night. The Kings haven't gotten that. And maybe you could say, you know, we saw Colby Jones have some moments early in the season and then just completely go away from him. I don't think the guards are necessarily where we can make our biggest impact, but I think just in general, us not having a draft pack, a draft pick this year um, and only really having Keegan from last year's draft has, has kind of started to uh, to hurt this team this year too. When we get back, it is time to turn the page as the Kings got to go back to Denver. Oh, boy. Got to go back to Denver where they have not lost. They are undefeated against the defending champs. And you know that if we know that, the Nuggets know it too. Styles and Watkins, Sackdown Sports. Did you miss any part of our live local shows? Don't worry. You never have to miss them again. Check out SackdownSports.com and search our podcast page and play our shows when you want. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross, Styles and Watkins, and The Drive Guys. Plus, other podcasts like Return of the Empire, Return of the Roar, The Stingers Up Podcast, and Golf to Go with Frank LaRosa. They're all available right now on SackdownSports.com. 
Sacramento has a new tag team in the midday. It's Styles and Watkins on Sacktown Sports. This is from the 916, and this is where things can get a little squirrely. I attended 11 home games last year, and I'm so thankful that I have refused to attend a single Kings game this year. They don't provide consistent effort on their home floor. Why would I want to pay to watch these scrubs? 916, I don't know, man, or or however, sorry, man, woman, however you identify, person. I don't know about that because after 16 years of the basketball that you've watched, you're willing to call this roster, this team, who is a seven seed, scrubs? Now, I get if you don't want to pay. And we've we've sat there, we've seen, yeah, we've we have detailed all the inconsistencies. But scrubs, after what you just yeah, watched, we've seen scrubs for the before. last 16, 17 years. Yeah. Also, those ticket prices were expensive last year. I saw those those ticket prices. That's true. Going to a lot of games last year. Good for you. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. They're four and zero when I have gone to the. They're sixteen and ten. At home I, this year. I would not a lot better at home this year than they were last year. I would not call the Kings roster or the players scrubs no. at all no definitely not you got scrubs out there in the yes. nba yeah i'm not gonna name them but you can hornets you, i'm not gonna name them but you can search yourself i would not say that from the 925 it's not the kings the clippers played lackluster and lost the heat played to win the kings are what their record says they are I agree with I agree with that last part. I, I definitely agree. They are, the, yeah, they are what their record yeah. says. They, I are. mean, the Kings definitely deserve to be in the situation that they're at right now. I mean, yeah, with the with the amount of inconsistency, which is what I agree with the the first text. There is they don't provide consistent effort. I understand why it would be frustrating to go to home games and and not know what team you're going to see or not feel like you know just because they are at home they're going to have a little bit extra juice like every other team in the NBA seems to, but. Um, no, I, I think that uh, I, I think that the Kings, the Kings record fits them very well. Yes. I think that these past two games have definitely been probably the best representation of Kings basketball that we've seen, and they they did it before too, right? Didn't they have the best game of their season previously uh, against uh, the Grizzlies, Grizzlies, right? On on New, New Year's, Year's and then I can't remember what the next game was, but I remember saying, why can't they play like they played the other night against the Grizzlies? So. This has been. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, first texter, about them being inconsistent, but uh, I definitely would not say that they're scrubs. Like, no, they've they've. Uh, yeah, this is this is one of the best Kings teams that there's been in the past 20 years. Yes, like, and it may not be enough. No, nope. because it probably won't be. <laughs> the West is just ridiculous. It's really tough. This team and some of those other years, who knows how far they could yeah. go? But that's not the universe that we live in 916-339-1140 let's get out to steven wants to be a part of the conversation what's up steven what you got for us what's up boys are our expectations too high should we start tempering expectations or is it just too late in the season because obviously we've reached a point i've reached a point to where i feel like it's just the team is just is what it is at this point we have a lot I don't know. I I feel like we got greedy with expectations. I know I got greedy Mm -hmm. with my expectations this year. After 16 years of suck and just living in the dumpster, um, 
I mean, I really had high expectations for this year, and I got humbled, man. This team definitely humbled my expectations and brought those back down to somewhat reality. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that something that Kings fans are having a problem with right now? Because I feel like it's just we got too many fans that are just wishy-washy. Granted, this team is also kind of wishy-washy with their con- with their consistency, but. As far as expectations, I've always been I've, – I've, I've been to programs before, man. Expectations lead to nothing but disappointment. That is a, that is a staple. That is a thing. So, um, expectations are kind of that. I mean, is that what – am I on the right page here? Am I wrong for this? Uh, do, are our expectations just too high? Yeah. No, thanks for the call as always, Stephen. Have a good rest of your day. The thing is, everybody wants to see improvement. Yeah. Right. And that's not we we did this exercise a couple weeks ago where we read off how the Nuggets got to the Western Conference Finals. Then they lost in the second round and then they won the championship and the Warriors did a similar thing and the the Bucks did a similar thing. Because if they don't, then then you're wondering what's going on. I mean, look at the look at the Celtics, right? The Celtics. They go to they they couldn't get to the finals and they went to the finals. Now they lost the finals. So this thing never never goes the way that you would like. Look at the Lakers. They win in the bubble, and they haven't really done anything since. This team, or the Heat, the Heat, all these teams, it's not, we lost in the first round. Next season, we won, we lost in the second round. Next season, we lost Western Conference Finals. Right. Next season, we lost in the in, in the finals. Then the next season, we won. Right. It's a four-year plan. It's a perfect four-year plan. That's not how it happens. Right. Yeah, I mean, we saw a version of it last year where the Kings went from obscurity to play to three seat right you know like it, it things happen quickly and usually to your point like it's big jumps and and you know to answer steven's question like I, I don't know if fans had too high of expectations because i think that's what fans are supposed to do they're supposed to have high expectations for their team i think maybe i because I, I don't want to say that that was the fault of the Kings fans that they had high expectations. I think they should have. They were a three seed last year. Uh, they they had a promising series against the Warriors. I just think that maybe we underestimated how deep the Western Conference was going to be and how much that was going to affect the Kings standing in it all. Because realistically, I mean, the Kings pretty much are just as good as they were last year. I think we're just finding that the competition they go against every single night is a whole lot tougher and it requires them to be at their best just about every single night. I think last year they were able to maybe have an 85% effort end up in a win. I think this year they're finding out it's like 95 or above or else you're, you're probably not going to have a chance to win that night. Yeah. And just looking at the game last night, it wasn't things, things got out of hand, but when you, when you look at some of the turnovers, it did not feel like the Kings were lacking energy or lacking effort. But then you saw them turn it up and you thought, oh, they could have been playing like this. And then you say, oh, was it the zone? Coach Mike Brown, could you have gone to the zone sooner? He says yes. But it's also, De'Aaron said it was the zone and our activity. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like the zone just saved the day. Right. It was also the activity that they had while being a part of the zone. Here from the 916, there's a lot of basketball to be played. It's the first loss after the All-Star break. We're the seventh seed. We are playing better than we were before the All-Star break. It's not panic time yet. 
I think that we're more just we feel what's around the corner, and I would I would say at least from my feelings on it, and I think I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you share the same. It's the fact that you have that performance, and we just know what's around. The, we know that Denver and Minnesota are right around the corner, and you know if we were doing percentage, you know, whatever the ESPN has like the predictability of, Oh, the Kings, you know, you have a 30%. I would say the Kings probably have like a 30% chance of beating the the nuggets right. and like a 28% chance of, of beating the Timberwolves. It's yeah. just the, the opponents that they have coming up make me feel like we should start to get ready to maybe shift how we're about to talk about this team for the remainder of this week. And probably into next week as well, because I, I if I just had to, do it off of paper, which Mike Brown told us not to do earlier. But if we're just looking at the paper, it looks like the Kings are about to head into a potential three game losing streak. And maybe they, maybe they can go, maybe they can split these next they two. Have, they have, they to have, split. they honestly do have to, in order to change the feeling about this. Because again, the conversation next week, if they do lose these next two games, we're not going to be talking about five, six, seven, eight or five, six, seven. We're going to be talking about, or eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. and how the Kings could maybe mess around and end up in a one-game play-in where they have to go against the Warriors or the Lakers. And I think we're more just getting ready for what could possibly be around the corner. Maybe we should be a little bit more, you know, looking back. But I just think it's tough to not look ahead and say, you know, you've got tough sledding ahead of you, and you've now put yourself in a situation to where. These next two games, you've got to pull out one of them. We talked about it yesterday. If you would have won last night, you would have been two and two at mm-hmm. worst in this four game stretch exactly. of games. And and now you're at risk of going one and three. It's not panic it a time. Big difference. Yeah, it's not panic time yet, but depending on how the Kings play these next two games and how the other teams play, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, how those teams play then we will react. I, I can I can sit here and say it's not panic time yet, but you're about four days away, yeah. depending on what happens. You have to split. If you split, you got to pray yep. that the, Sun, the Suns have two games coming up against the Rockets, and I believe it's the Pelicans who have the Pacers. So if you split, you're going to have to ask for some help to just keep pace. Yes. Right? If you lose both, you're probably close to hoping for that yeah. seven seed. Yeah. That depend, but it's all dependent. The more you lose, yes. the more we got a pocket watch. Yep. You win these next two games, then yes, nine one six. It's not time, but because you tricked off this game yep. against the Heat, you have to at least split. You have to split and pray. And after that, if you lose, if you lose the next two, I mean, you you might you might need to you might need to become a monk or something. I don't think normal prayer. <laughs> yeah, no, not not talking about Malik. <laughs> You're gonna have to do something else if you want if you want to stay out of that plan. Again, the difference is between playing well and getting on a heater. Okay, the lucky number to get to fifty is seventeen. Kyle said the percentage earlier, it's 670 or something like that. 680 to win 17 of 25. That's where we're at. Each game you lose, that percentage gets higher and more unrealistic. That's just where we're at. When we get back, continuing the conversation, going to take a quick break from the Kings and talk a little bit of Niners and what former head coach has been interviewed by the Niners for their D.C. position. Styles and Watkins, Sackdown Sports.